Titanium nerds, welcome back to the Dental Implant Podcast. Uh, I've had a little bit of radio silence for a few months, I do apologize. I've been pushing hard on the Academy of a Clinical Excellence and some of the stuff that we're doing is absolutely fantastic. I'll share that with you a little bit later on today. Uh, that doesn't mean that I've forgotten about you and uh, I am here today with the next uh, uh, episode and uh, I'm delighted to introduce to you a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Chechen uh, uh, Mathias who is a very uh, prolific implant surgeon, um, uh, quite understated. Uh, a lot of people don't know him, but the people who do know him have a lot of respect for him. And the reason why Chet is joining us today is to talk uh, business, um, because at the end of the day, uh, we are here to make money, do it ethically, making sure that our patients are, are getting the correct outcomes for them, but we're also doing it to support our families as well, which is obviously really important. And Chet is uh, an absolute genius when it comes to systems and uh, another aspect. I'm not going to get into it too much. I'm going to leave uh, for, 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 for him to uh, go over that. But uh, what I'd like to do is, Chet, if you could just introduce yourself briefly to the Titani nerds. And, uh, and uh, bearing in mind, this is predominantly um, drive time audio that people are listening to. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to hand over to you. And I, if you don't mind, I'm, I'm probably going to be asking some questions for, for my own interest uh, uh, as, as we're going along as well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bab. I mean, humbling introduction. So thank you very much. I hope I live up to the expectations. And thank you, listeners. It's going to be a great conversation we're going to have today. But for those of you who don't know me, a brief introduction, right? So I'm a, I'm a dentist, first and foremost, been doing dentistry for the last 17 years, done pretty much every bit of dentistry that's there to provide. So I started my, my journey as a, a VP and then moved on to an NHS associate, private associate, practice ownership, mentoring, training, in a nutshell. Most of my work is Clinical work is surrounded around two main treatments, implant dentistry and orthodontics. But for the sake of this conversation, let's kind of stick to implant dentistry. My main passion at the moment is teaching businesses on how we can grow and scale their business, increase the, the number of implants or increase their turnover in their businesses and identifying different metrics in the business. So looking forward to this conversation and hopefully give you a lot of value uh, in this next 45 minutes to an hour. Thanks, Chet. So I think um, what would be a good place to start is because obviously I respect the fact that you're in a, uh, uh, that you've built your businesses uh, over time. Um, why don't you start at the beginning? You know, because uh, you know I've 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 discussed before how I wasn't a very strong practice owner. It led me to financial trouble, trouble, and I didn't enjoy the process. Um, sure. I know that you uh, do enjoy the process. You're very good at it. But where where did you start? What troubles did you have when when you first started? Um, obviously, we, we're focusing predominantly on the implants, but it could be any part of your journey. It may be. Sure. You know, you, str you struggled to get the patients in, you struggled with conversions. Um, if you wouldn't mind yeah. just expanding on your story, please. Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Pam. Yeah. You know what? I could keep going on about it, but let's start with uh, my early stages, right? When I started off initially with in dentistry as an NHS associate, I wasn't an implant dentist or an orthodontics or an orthodontist. All I did was general dentistry. But circumstances made me evolve and grow and move to the next level. And that's the beauty about the human mind, right? Necessity 
is the mother of all inventions. And you know, if you push to a corner, you'll find ways to achieve, to pivot and to move things to the next level. So my early journey started as an NHS associate and I moved into implant dentistry quite early on. And I remember in 2008 going in for an implant um, seminar. And in those days, implant dentistry was still was still at a really, really early stage. And there was a there was a seminar, a free seminar. And my practice principal at the time came to me and said, you know what, there's a free seminar that's running in Birmingham. Um, it was at, I remember right, a lab called Castle Ceramics. I don't think they exist anymore, but it was a lab called Castle Ceramics. And I went down to the to the seminar. And the seminar is, was run by a prof. We sat there. I was among the youngest ones there. I think I was in my 20s at the time. Uh, and I sat down and during the lunch break, the prof came up to me and said, listen, you look quite young. Uh, what's your name? So I said, my name's Chetan. And he said, you know what? If you put your focus into implant dentistry and all your energy into implant dentistry and learning implant dentistry, you would placing thousands if not hundreds of implants and i looked at it gone out right so i work in a pretty much deprived area in coventry i didn't i never saw myself as an implant surgeon i always looked at myself as a restorative dentist but this one seminar kind of pivoted me right so i went back and started thinking about it more and more and more and then i went on this journey with implant dentistry and my first year i'd be placed around 10 implants then the second year we placed around 50 and then slowly it's just kind of grown exponentially last year we placed around 750 implants um i do a mixture of single implants full mouth implants full arches bone grafting bone augmentation but for me my main drive is increasing my numbers increasing my turnover in the business. And that's why I've moved more into the business aspect of dentistry because I find that by moving into that side, I can empower more, more dentists uh, who can then go ahead and do more interesting stuff. So we, as once I did a few years of associateship, I moved into my first practice, practice ownership. So the practice that I have is uh, was a four surgery, five surgery practice, which when I acquired it, and we moved it on to a 12 surgery practice now. But now looking back at my journey over the last six years, when I look back at it and I tell, and I look at it and I say, wow, okay, you know what? It was a journey that I went through. Obviously, there have been lots of ups and downs. It's never straight, right? The journey for growth always keeps going up and down and up and down. Uh, and there were a lot of, I wouldn't say failures, but a lot of uh, learning points that I came through on that journey. And I, and I always wish that there was someone whom I could hold whom I could look up to or someone who could hold my hand and take me to that next stage without me having to face the downs more so uh, and just go on the up. That journey would have been a lot more shorter, quicker. Uh, and that's kind of moved me on to what I'm doing now because I believe strongly that the position that we are in, myself and you included, we've got like loads of experience over the years we've worked, is empowering other dentists and, you know, giving back to them so that they can, you know, it's, it's almost like a relay race, right? Give them the baton and then they can go on to the next level. And hopefully in years to come, there's someone else who look up, who look up on their journey and say, you know what? I learned a lot from these guys and I want to do it even better, right? And we as a generation are constantly growing and moving. So my, my goal or my focus for the next five, six years is to impact the lives of a thousand dentists uh, in one form or the other, either through Zoom calls through one-to-one coaching or through lectures, through courses. And if I could do that, that would be an achievement in itself for me.
yeah so so that's like kind of my journey to to where i am and and uh, what i do at the moment i think um i think two things chat that spring to mind as uh, as you were telling me that story is firstly it, it it's a journey for everybody right and everybody's everybody's journey is different um but there are similar similarities that occur in all of these journeys okay so the first similarity is when you first start placing implants you will really struggle to get numbers in because you don't have the confidence your practice isn't known for placing implants and then as your confidence grows you start to get more and more referrals from existing patients and your marketing starts to build that th things effectively what i'm trying to express is things happen step by step okay so step one is getting the ball rolling and to start with you're going to have um, you'll be you'll be placing single implants. They'll be placing you. They'll, they'll be taking you a, a long time. You'll have higher than average uh, failure rates because you're still learning. And this is something that I always say: is lean into that discomfort. Don't be put off by it because what happens is, if you come up with a hurdle and you go, "This isn't for me," that's it. It's then game over. It goes back to the old saying that a master has failed more times than a that, 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 than an apprentice has even tried. And that's very true. You know, if if you have if if you have um, a, a failure of, of of an implant, you shouldn't be. Oh, I'm no good at implants. I shouldn't be doing this. You should analyze it. So I've got a saying: stay curious. If something didn't go according to plan, why didn't it go according to plan? Can I improve it? Can I avoid that in the future? <clears throat> if something goes well stay curious how can i improve that in the future how can i replicate this great result so i think it's important to everybody listening doesn't matter where you are in your career and this includes myself as well because i am still learning it is a constant learning process that what we need to respect is that as we learn that there are complications that come up there we are testing our skills there's all sorts of things that happen but you just stick with it and what will happen eventually over a period of time what you're learning becomes more and more complicated and the basic stuff it becomes a little bit old hat okay an old hat in terms of you get comfortable with it so and when i say comfortable with it i don't mean to say that you still don't have complications and problems but you're just comfortable dealing with those problems. So I believe that, as you quite rightly said, that we should be inspiring people. And one of the ways that we inspire them is to turn around and say, we all have complications, don't worry about it. The other thing that I think you're very true on as well is when you speak to experienced um, uh, uh, surgeons, they all turn around and say, I wish I'd spent more money on mentoring. So when you're younger in your career, what you say is, mentoring is very expensive i want the cheapest mentor i want this i want that and then the issue that you have is if you go it alone or anything like that if you have complications those complications are very expensive for you to fix well actually whilst you're whilst you're being mentored yes <coughs> it's more uh, it's more um, uh, more of an investment in the short term but your the acceleration of your career is unbelievable so um, I just wanted to say that um, I, I, I agree with you on 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 those aspects. And uh, again, it's just it's just reflecting and turning around and saying, you know, these are the issues that we've had in our career, and you know, let let let's us help guide those who are earlier on in uh, earlier on in their career. That's purely what it comes down to. So how how did you then start to uh, move forward? What 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 did you start to implement? Sure, sure. You know, uh, one thing I tell all my delegates, and again, coming back to what you said, right? So we all have our comfort zones. 
and every comfort zone has a ceiling. And quite often, whether you're young, whether you're old, at every stage in your career, you're always in your comfort zone. And we always stay in this comfort zone because it's quite comfortable in this comfort zone. But for us to move to the next level, to become a better implantologist, to learn to place more implants, to increase the number of implants, to build bigger teams, to have uncomfortable conversations with our patients or with our teams, we have to step outside our comfort zone. And the only way we can step outside this comfort zone is by breaking the ceiling and having this new level of comfort. And then we stay in this for some time and then again have a ceiling and then try to break that up again. So we've got, got to constantly look at our, ourselves because I always strongly believe that if you don't grow, you might as well not live. Uh, and we all have to grow and we all need to grow. I mean, that's just our human nature. Uh, but we also need to recognize that fact that it's very easy to stay in your comfort zone. And that's why having a mentor is so important because a mentor will make you make it easier for you to step outside your comfort zone so that in case you do fall, okay, when you go outside your comfort zone, you will fall. You always have someone there to hold you up and say, listen, don't worry. You place that implant, you have an issue. Listen, don't worry. I've had this problem. You just need to do this, 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 and it'll be fine. Oh, I had a failure. We all have failures. But when it's, when it's your first failure, you feel as if your whole world's come crashing down and everything is gone, right? I still remember my first implant failure. It was like, it was like the worst thing that ever happened and I almost was in tears. Uh, but now, looking back at it, I, was, I wish there was someone out there who told me, you know what, don't worry. But I was ashamed at the time. I didn't want to share it with anyone, right? But that's where mentors come in, coaches come in. You know, you come in and say, listen, don't worry. It's absolutely fine. Things happen. This is a solution. And there's always a solution for any problem, no matter how big or how small, there's always a solution. So for me, constantly, at every stage in my career, I was in my comfort zone and I realized that, okay, I need to move to the next stage. So how do I move to the next stage? Okay, I need to break down the ceiling. So when I was a NHS associate, it took me a while to be quite comfortable there. And then I had to break the ceiling. And like you said, you know, my first implant case, where do I get my first implant case from? And then it started becoming my first five, then my first 10. And then very slowly, I realized that it's just not me who could, could deliver all these implant services. I needed a team around me. And then I started developing my nurses and then my treatment coordinators, my patient growth coordinators, uh, my receptionists, because the team that you need to do 10 implants is different to the team that needs 100 or 500 or 700 now, right? So at every stage, at every stage, we I could easily have sat with 100, 200, comfortable, no problem. But I had to pivot at every stage. And that's what happened all throughout my career. So whether it was in plant industry, whether it was orthodontics, whether it was my first practice, my second practice, or my new third practice, it's always, so it's always looking forward to finding that next stage and how we can grow and how we can step outside our comfort zone. So Chen, correct me if I'm wrong, is one of the pivotal points in your, in your career is you realize that it's not just you that needs development, but it's the team around you that needs development. Is that correct? So true, Pab. You know, so, and this is... So tell, uh, so, so tell, so tell, tell us that story. When, when, you, when you had that realization, yeah. what did you start to implement it? Tell us about the evolution that you've had over the years. You know, it's such an important topic, Pab. Such, such an important topic. Okay, so... A lot of dentists I, I meet on a daily basis are, are a mixture, right? They're either associates or they're, they're practice owners. The problem I find with most practice owners is they work as practice owners like an associate. Like, there's nothing wrong in thinking like you're an associate, but 
what you've got to remember is you're running a mini business there. It could be half a mil turnover, one mil, two mil, or even five mil turnover. You can't start thinking like an associate. You've got to start working on the business rather than in the business, which comes back to your question. is: If you want to work on the business, that means you need to empower your team around you, right? So I soon realized that the buck can't stop with me. If I'm the dentist, they are going to see for the consultation. If I'm the dentist, they're going to see for placing the implants. If I'm the dentist, they're going to see for restoring. And if I'm the dentist who's going to do the follow-ups, that's not going to work. I, I can't scale. I can't move to the next stage. I can't, I can't help more people, right? It was not the reason I wanted to do the numbers was I felt I had a gift and a skill to help more people. Uh, and the only way I could do it is by empowering other people around me. And then very slowly, what happened was I had to step back from my consultation. Do I do any consultations anymore? Hardly any, because I have an amazing team of TCOs who do that. Do I do my implant restorations anymore? No, because I have a team of dentists who do that. But to do that initially was difficult, right? So I had to do it myself. I learned it and I slowly started delegating. So the key was to delegate, but to delegate it in such a way that it doesn't come back to you with issues or problems. So there's a whole system we go through. We spend a whole afternoon on this, talking about how you can delegate, how you can assign your KPIs to each level of delegation so that when you do step back, and concentrate on something else, the work still gets done. And in fact, you know what, I find my team deliver it at a lot better quality than I do. And I was the bottleneck in the whole process. Like my consultations now, my stuff, I, when I look at it, when I look back and I think about it, I was like, wow, you know, my TCOs do a lot better consultation process than I do. My restorative dentists, they restore the implants that I place at a much higher level than I do. Why? because they're good at it, they have the time, and they have the knowledge which I've empowered them to do, right? But it didn't happen overnight. And like you said in the beginning, right? The first implant is like the worst, and then the first five, the first time, the same thing. My first team member was that, my first nurse, my second nurse. And these things, you know, people have already done it. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just speak to someone who's already done it, hold their hand, and they'll show you exactly how to do it. They're so fortunate to have, you know, in this day and age, the number of mentors we have, right? Yeah. Remember the time when we started, there were hardly any play, people placing That's implants. To have a good mentor, we had to literally travel outside the country. Now we've got, I mean, you've got an amazing academy, you know, wherein you spend so much time with these delegates. Um, a lot of energy put behind it. And they have this one-stop shop with the advent of Zoom, you know, online. We didn't have all this. And it was just like trial and error and heartaches and heartbreaks. But I think the key is delegation, but delegation with KPIs in it. So, so you know, so your team knows what they need to do and to what standard they need to deliver it up to. So systemizing the whole process is very important. And that's why for me, systems and processes for everything, whether it might be my implant restoration, whether it could be my review system or whether it could be my marketing, having a system and a process is the most easiest way to scale your business. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if I went on a tangent there, but you know, I'm just, no, I'm just so excited about this. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's not a tangent. I I, I think it's it, it's starting to become clear that you know it's it, it it's not about you. It's about the business. It's about yeah. developing and empowering the team, so that from a professional point of view, that they are satisfied. But from a remuneration point of view, that they are also satisfied. And that the easiest and simplest way to do that is, 
I don't want to call it a cookbook, a cookbook approach, but but have recipes. Okay, like if you if you have a recipe, you can tweak it a little bit and know that you're still going to get a certain outcome, right? Whereas if the process for every single patient when they come in is different, and you know, it's you you, you know, it it, it it ends up being quite sluggish. And this is something that I found as well. You know, the communications that I that that I have with my patients, the way that I uh, uh, describe things, the metaphors that I use, I feel I've gotten very, very good at it. I can have a, I can have a five minute conversation with a patient, and they're ready to have an implant done. I can have a ten minute conversation with a complex treatment case, and the patients are ready to have a, 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 the, the, the treatment done. And that's something that I've learned over the years. And that's to not use this word because psychologically you're going to put them off, or if you if you say it in this way it's it makes them feel more at ease and it's it, it, it's it, it's not manipulative it's it, it it's understanding that that the that the patient has a certain th thought process so if the patient has a certain thought process and your, your business will also have a certain flow right and if you can optimize that flow is you optimize the business but it's true right so you know, that's where all our systems and processes and everything come in, right? So, you know, with, with an implant placement, if you if you tell you that, and that's how you teach your delicates, right? You've got to have A, B, C, D. You do A, B, C, D, right? Obviously, sometimes you go A, B, D, E, or sometimes you go A, C, D, E. But as long as you have that system in place, 80% of the stuff fall into that A, B, C, D, E category. And the beauty is it's there in your head. You're probably really good at it. But the only way you can scale is if you have that cookbook approach yeah, and show it to your team members so they know what they, you know, uh, they know what you expect of them. Yes. And then I th I guess because this this is something that, uh, you know, after having spoken to you recently, I'm starting to look down and and, and I'm, I'm writing down the step-by-step -step process of absolutely every single aspect of from when the patient contacts us to when they're when i discharge them back to back to their own dentist and i'm looking in in, in such a detail of okay cool i give anesthetic i raise a flap you know i need this material i need it and then i'm looking at it going well and this is something that i said i've done recently i'm going actually you know what i'm doing all of this and probably one third of it i can delegate to somebody else and then actually if i delegate a third of it to somebody else is it, it it's I save time or it's less stressful for me to do. Yeah. So I think one of the issues that we have is, we, and, and this goes back to what you were saying a few moments ago, we end up too busy doing and not enough step, step taking a step back and looking at the overall process. And this is, this is what you do. Is that correct? That, 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 yeah, that yeah. taking a step back, you've looked at the overall process and that you, because I, I, you know, I know people who work with you where you're, where you're refining their processes and they just turn around and say that, you know what, this is making it, this is, this is making the whole flow of the patient from A to B smoother and because it's smoother they are happier because they're happier and it's smoother the, the business thrives as a result true right because you've got to look at yourself if you're a practice owner you've got to look at yourself as a ceo of the business not as a dentist in the business you've got to look at a ceo of the business you can have a dentist hat on when you feel like because you like doing dentistry but the most important bit is looking at yourself as a ceo of the business or maybe if you're not good at it have someone who is the ceo of your business right not a practice manager but maybe like a bdm a business development manager or something if, if that's what you, and you just want to do dentistry but most dentists who are practice owners work as an associate in the dentist in, in their own practice right so they need to step back look at it as a bird's eye view from the from a distance and see 
okay, what's my productivity? How can I increase my productivity? And one tip that I, that I tell most of my delegates is look back. It could be a normal filling process, okay? How much of that patient journey should you be actually involved in, right? First thing. Second thing is time your treatment. It's not a race, but time your treatment. If you time your treatment, then you know, do an average and you know exactly how much time it's going to take. That way you don't get stressed out because you have zoned your diaries now into that respective time slots. It's okay. It's all right doing one implant a week or two implants a week, but we know that that's not going to stay forever because you'll do one implant this week and next week you'll do two implants and then go three, four, five. But if you set a nice system when you start off with, when you start getting busier, you don't get stressed out and you don't have sleepless nights yeah. because you have a checklist approach like how the pilots do. And at the same time, time is zoned. Your receptionist knows exactly, okay, you're placing an implant on the upper right six region. This will take you 45 minutes because you've timed yourself. You've created an average. You know exactly what needs to be done. And that way, your receptionist will book in at that right time. Coming back to local anesthesia, right? You don't need to do a local anesthesia. You could get your therapist to do it for you, right? Post-op instructions. Do you need to give the post-op instructions? I don't think so. Your nurse can give the post-op instructions to the patient because it's the same post-op instruction for 80% of our patients. So these small things, you might think, oh, it's another two minutes or another one minute. But if you think about 700 cases, multiply that by two minutes, that's, you know, 1,400 minutes, you almost a day goes right so you've got to be able to to maximize your time and your productivity but yeah. on that note there's also a small caveat what i see that's happening now more and more i mean no disrespect to any dentist but they're trying to feel entitled as in no scanning is just too low for me i won't do scanning anymore because my nurse has to do the scanning no the whole reason your nurse is doing the scanning or your therapist is doing the scanning is to make you more productive not for you to laser on right so yeah. Sometimes it could be that that particular nurse isn't in, but you should have the skill set to jump in and just do the scan <coughs> rather than say, you know what? My nurse is not in who is to do the scan. I need to rebook this patient. In, right? And I'm seeing more and more of this happen now, yeah. um, this mindset shift. So it's very important they understand what's the reason you delegate. The reason you delegate is to increase your productivity. Yeah. And how can you constantly increase your productivity? Yeah, and I, I, I think I think that, that that's a that's a very big thing where um uh you know it, you're not you're not delegating so that so that so that you do less you're delegating so that you can actually do more you know yeah. it's it's, it's uh, and that's that i think that's what a lot of people get get incorrect um you know I, I mean i respect the fact that you know i've been very fortunate in my career having been exposed to a lot of surgeries and I'm now at a point where I'm 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 very confident with with my surgical skills, but I'm also uh, uh, um, respectful of the fact that actually your average dentist is a general dentist where they they may do a lot of implants, but they, they do a lot of general dentistry as well. And with respect, Chet, is you're quite a unique uh, individual as well because um, uh, uh, because um, because of the way that you've delegated. And what I would say is luck has, has played a huge part in my career just because I got the right job at the right time. But you've actually engineered your success, whereas I've kind of I've kind of like pushed on the education level. I've left the business aspect to other people. I've you know, I've been in a, I'm, I'm, I'm in some good practices. But, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten unlucky at times and I've gotten lucky at times. And that's what's got me here. But you've actually engineered the process. So actually, it's is if you've done it, that means that 
I could do it, which means other people can do it as well. And it's understanding that. And I think for those for those of you listening, just just think about what chat's saying at the moment, right? And this doesn't just apply to uh, to uh, implants. This applies to all aspects of dentistry. <clears throat> for those of you who do uh, Invisalign and clear aligners, you may have TCOs taking the scans. You know, you may have, um, uh, I, I, I gave up on a Invisalign a long time ago, but I know you can get like these devices where the patients even don't have to come in, you monitor it yeah. all remotely. So the question is, is, okay, how can we, is there anything that we can do like that in implant dentistry? And uh, that I, I think that that's, that's where we need to start looking that instead of relying on luck, instead of relying on this, that, and the other, Let's let's engineer our own luck. Let's engineer based on sound business principles, which have been proven time and time again. So, um, so from this from 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 this delegation process, Chet, what um, what 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 hurdles did you have along the way in terms of business and team, and how did you resolve those to get to the point where you are now? Okay, you know, you're you're very right, right? So you can have two options. You could either be plain lucky. Again, I don't believe in luck. There's always something that you've done to get there. It's just that you've tried it so many times and now you can see the good side of it. That's just your mindset, the way you look at things. But your whole system can be engineered. One terminology I use with all my delegates is leapfrog mentoring. So by leapfrog coaching, leapfrog mentoring, what it means is you need to identify your journey for the next five years. Where do you want to be in the next five years time? Where do you want to be in the next three years? And then break it down to six months. Now say, for example, I'm doing 50 cases of implants. I would like to do in the next year, 100. So I need to identify, okay, if I could do 100, I would have done it now. So obviously that's not working. So how can I do 100 cases of implants next year? Then I roll back. That's okay, to get, how did I get my 50 cases? This is where you need to identify every system in your process. You can't say, oh, I had 50 patients working because I was just lucky or my doors were wider than the other practice next door. So there were more patients that came in. No, there's always a reason why you had 50 patients in. So identifying every patient that's coming. And you very soon, you'll see a pattern. Once you see the pattern, it could be a marketing ad that you put out. It could be a Facebook ad. Probably you got 15% of your patients from there or a Google ad. Um, or it could be a particular person through word of mouth. You had a lot more patients coming in. Once you identify that, then you can direct your resources there. So you double your probably ad spend or double your attention to that particular person who referred you more patients. So now we know how you can go from 50 to 100. Okay, now next, do you have the bandwidth to treat 100 patients? How long did 50 patients take you to treat? Do you have the amount of time it took you? Uh, have you broken down the, the treatments? Have you seen how much time each implant takes? So it's all right telling, I want to do 100, 100 patients, but do you have the system in place? Is it you who's going to deliver it? Or you're going to have some associates? Or you're going to have a bigger team? Are you going to have a TCO? Don't you have a TCO? So you see, I've kind of seen where I want to be in the next five years. I've broken it down. I've come back. And then I look at it in short time scales. So in six months, I wanted to do another 50 more implants. So I wanted to increase my numbers to 100. It's almost 100% increase. But I realized that to do that, I need a TCO in place. Okay, do I have a TCO? No, I don't have a TCO. So I was like, okay, fine. How do I get a TCO? Now I need to find a TCO. Maybe I need two nurses to help me out while doing surgery so that my, my surgery time is quicker. Maybe I need more kits so that as one kit is going through, I have my second kit in place. 
So maybe I need to call my implant company and see which implant company is going to help me and work with me, hold my hand. And once I share my vision with them, they understand it and they say, you know what, Chet, not a problem. I'll get you another implant because I know by you doing more implants, you'll buy more implants. It's good for the company. So it's it's a mutual relationship, right? So you need to get all the stakeholders involved in your vision. It's not only you, but obviously you are the driving force. So you've got to see where you want to be, get all the stakeholders involved in it. And then the journey becomes more predictable. Okay, sometimes instead of hitting 100, you might hit 19 plus. But hey, you know, you would not even have reached 90 if you didn't have this vision. Sometimes you will hit 150. Has it always happened that I've planned it and I've gone exactly there? No. I, I know for a fact that I could plan 100 and there's a good chance I'll reach 90, 95, which is fine by me. I'm happy with it. But then I look back at my system and say, why didn't I reach my 100? You've got to be comfortable to be critically examined, right? And that's how your system gets fine-tuned and fine-tuned and fine-tuned. It's no magic wand. Um, I've not been just plain lucky or born with something, but it's identifying the journey. It's plain simple, right? So you identify a journey, see what's happened, measure it, and think, I'm a numbers guy. So for me, because numbers don't lie. So I could say I'm having a good day, but if you ask me what's a good day, a good day is if I have 15 surgeries, if I have turnover so much, if so many patients have come in, if so many reviews have come in, if my staff are. So you've got to measure everything. And once you measure, then it makes life easier. So always leapfrog decide where you're going five years time, break it down, get it down to sh short goals. So one more thing that I share with my, with my delegates is you don't have to make your resolutions in the beginning of the year, new year. Like I have four quarters in a year. There's always a new year every quarter. So I celebrate a end of a quarter, like I go away on a holiday. And then I look at my resolutions. They're on three month scales, right? So three months, this is what I need to do. That's it. My goals are for three months. In three months' time, I revisit these goals again. Instead of having goals for 12 months, and then half the goals go out of the window by the end of Jan. So having short, realistic goals is important. That's why I said, look at five years, break it down to three years, then break it down to six months, and then now you can see it's more achievable, and then you start working towards it. I think uh, I, I'm I'm going to start using that as well because just just I just I just get so my diary gets so busy so quickly and it's just kind of like I will blink and my diary's rammed like six months <laughs> six months yeah. ahead. It's just okay. I've got to run this course. I've got to do this. I've got to do this, and then it gets to the point where you know my wife's like, "Are oh, we going on holiday this year?" I was just like, uh, "Yeah, yeah, let me cancel something." I, like, <laughs> I love that idea, chat. I'm actually going to do it. So the other thing that I wanted to mention as well is effectively what you're talking about here is you're talking about developing a, a high performing team and the high performing team runs the high performing business and i think what people need to understand that if you have a high performing team who are exceptionally good at what they do please correct me if i'm if i'm wrong on this but what you need to do is 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 they need they need the appropriate remuneration as well which you can afford if you start if you start placing that much stuff i think people get too much into you know once a month, once every two months, once every three months, we'll throw a pizza party. That's 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 not enough anymore. You know, if you've got a good team and you're paying them uh, uh, average um, uh, an average salary compared to compared to uh, uh, other people in in the field, 
but you're putting them under a lot of pressure, you may find that these team members don't like that pressure. And they're like, well, I can get another job, earn the same amount, and I, I, I don't have to do as much. Whereas we're all in it for the business. You know, we're in it for the remuneration. We've got families to support. We, you know, that, that this, this is what it's about. Yes, patient priorities always come first i'm not advocating doing anything unethical but you know we are running a business at the end of the day and so are our staff which means that if staffs are performing at a high level they need to be remunerated at a high level as well would you agree with that is, is there anything that i've missed or can you no. get away with giving them a pizza once every three months i don't think you can listen you know at the end of the day what you've got to realize is and what you've got to tell your team is it's not your business, but it's our business. The minute you move it from your to our business and get them involved in the process as well, that's when the power builds, right? I do agree with you on remuneration, very important. But before we go on to that, it's also very important. You could pay someone over the odds, but if you have a wrong culture, if people don't feel that they have any progress, as we as humans, like I mentioned previously, you know, we always want to progress. If they see there's no progression, if they see they're not appreciated, no matter how much money you throw at them, they don't want to stay, okay? They don't just don't want to stay. And this thinking that money is going to be the driving force is not necessarily the right attitude. However, money is a very important driving force, but not the only driving force. Uh, and the second thing is having things like parties and things, amazing, because it helps to build team culture, like especially if you have a big team, right? So I've got 134 people in my team. So to have a team culture it's it's very difficult as your team starts growing to to be one to one when you have a smaller team with three people four people everyone's good yeah but the minute the team starts getting bigger you tend to forget some players in the team and that's where the problem happens because they feel they're not appreciated enough yeah so with remuneration yes but remuneration dependent on their kpis have bonus structures in place or do it anyhow you wanted to because for some people you need to understand what's their why, right? Before you do it. For some people, it's just the money. Fine. For some people, it's an extra holiday. For some people, it's more time with their pets, right? So for everyone, it's it's different. So you, you've got to understand personalities. That's how you build your teams. Once you understand your personalities and you build your teams, then you need to understand their whys, once you understand their whys, then you need to set up your KPIs. Once you set up your KPIs, then you set up your bonus structure. Once you set up your bonus structure, then you decide on how you're going to pay them and remunerate them. So I do agree with you. You can't expect two nurses, A and B, and A to do more work than B, if you've not identified their why, or if you don't have a bonus structure in place, how can you expect someone to go above and beyond? So. I've kind of briefed it up into a small, into, into the last two, three minutes, but it's a whole process. It's a whole system that you need to pay attention to. That's the reason there are some practices in the country who are struggling to get people in. Why? Because you're not identifying the kind of staff that are entering into the system. It's not, it's not the, the boomers, the baby boomers. It's Gen Z now. Is your training... Is your work environment suited for these Gen Zs, right? And most of the time, you're ru you are running your practice the traditional way. Since COVID, we, had, we all had to pivot. But everyone looked at it saying that, oh, we've got more patients coming in, but more implant patients, more cosmetic dentists. What they didn't look at is, oh, we've got a different workforce coming in now. 
And we've got to pivot and adapt our practices to this new workforce that's coming in. Because if you don't, two things can happen. You'll have staff leaving you. You can keep throwing money. They're not going to stay. Yeah. yeah I hope that makes sense, Pat, because you know, I try to do this kind it of does. I mean, Yeah, I mean, that's brilliant. I, th- I, I think um, as you were finishing off that last bit, it occurred to me as well that, you know, <laughs> I just think about implants all the time. It drives people mad. But, you know, when you were saying that, you know, you have to respect that the, that, that the landscape is changing. The same is true with implants as well. You know, the implant manufacturing process is being refined. There's new implants coming out. There are new surfaces coming out. Um, I am I am speaking to some uh, implant manufacturers because because I've been doing the because you know what I'm like. I do a lot of research, and I've gone to some implant manufacturers and I turn around and say to them, if you process your implant surface like this, the implants will integrate in four weeks. Period. You know, it's, you know, three three to four weeks, you will have full integration ready to load. The problem is, is you know, implant companies don't want to speak to some random titanium nerd, which in one aspect is infuriating for me because I'm lazy. You know, so everything that I do is about is about clinical efficiency. Okay, I'm lazy. I want to do uh, implants in as few visits as possible um, because that's what the patients want as well. And ideally, what I want to do is I just want to take impressions at the time that I uh, that I place the implants and then just fit it four weeks later and be done with it so i'm trying to persuade some uh, uh, some implant companies but it's <laughs> getting them to under because they're used to oh no it takes 10 to 12 weeks to integrate and then this random person they've never heard of comes along and goes i can show you how to get it to integrate in three weeks and they're like no it doesn't fit. so i think it's uh, i think that's a that's actually a great 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 point to to end on check that actually yeah. you know what you may have had a successful business in the past but the landscape is changing. And are you doing the right things to look after your patients? Are you doing the right things to look after your staff? And are you being pivotable, pivoting, are you pivoting enough with your business to ensure that you're going from strength to strength as opposed to stagnating? So I find very few businesses are kind of like steady all the time. They're either going uphill or they're going downhill. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're going to have problems either way. If you've got problems going uphill, they are good problems to have because that means that you're growing. If you've got, if you're going downhill, your problems are well, the ones that led, <laughs> that I had a few years ago that led yeah. that led me to end up losing my practice. And the, uh, you yeah. know, so I think we need to recognize the fact that if you feel that your practice is really steady and that you're really comfortable there, I think you should be looking at it in more detail. Going, mm, you know what? There's there's the potential that somebody's going to open up across the road do something better than what you're doing and you know all the, they're going to they're going to take all the patients in the area so i think we have to constantly be improving the quality of our care to patients the quality of our businesses and the quality of our uh, commitment to our staff as well because when you hit that trifecta is um uh, you you are engineering yourself for success, for success effectively true very true, very true. And you know what? This is not necessarily only for practice owners. I just wanted to end up on this. that Even as an associate dentist, you could do exactly the same, right? You just got to think of it differently. You can't think like, I'm just an associate. All these don't matter for me, right? You can be one of those super associates if you wanted to by identifying the similar systems and processes in your mini team. It's a lot more easier, but you need to be able to identify it. Don't leave the buck just to your practice and it's it's just the practice's responsibility yeah. you yourself are an individual you can make your practice because if your practice is more desirable 
It's good for you because there are more patients walking through the door. You will get to see more patients, more high value patients. So you need to, even as an associate, practice on this definitely, but even as an associate, you need to be able to identify all these factors and metrics that we discuss. So, chat. I mean, this this has been absolutely fascinating. Just before we finish, can you, uh, for people who want to reach out to you, um, what's the best way to do that? I know, I know, you have a Facebook group. Uh, just, just you know, if anybody wants to pick your brains or chat about it, what what's the best way for them to to for for them to start chatting with you? Okay, cool. Uh, I mean, join the Facebook group, Profitable Dental Practices on Facebook. Uh, they can DM me. I'm available on more social media platforms, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, or Facebook, they can reach out to me there as well. Uh, I would say join the group, engage in discussions there. Um, we've got a great community of over 3,000 dentists there. And following up from that, we run events for dentists, for associates as well. So I'm pretty much available. If you, if you just look out for me on, on social media, you should be able to find me. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Chet. Really appreciate you spending a bit of your Friday morning with us. <laughs> uh, it's been an absolute, absolute, absolute pleasure. Thank you. Right. So just before we finish, uh, folks, um, I'm fully aware of the fact that I always promise every time that I uh, that, that, that I do a podcast, I'm going to do another one quickly, that it doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not going to promise that again this time. But what I'm going to say is I've scheduled it in my diary to record the next one. So hopefully it's not going to be too long at all. Um, what I would like to do just before we finish is just round off by saying that, um, uh, uh, you know, you guys have been with me, uh, listening to me since before uh, I developed my academy, the Academy of Implant Excellence. Uh, you heard that I was toying with the idea of launching the academy, and then I launched it. Um, the academy is actually going from strength to strength. And uh, I'm, I'm exceptionally grateful to all of my delegates the ones who have done uh, other courses, I've got delegates who've done diplomas, master's degrees, and uh, they all reassure me that what they're learning with me is to a, a an exceptionally deep level. So if you are interested in joining the Academy of Implant Excellence, please head to academyofimplantexcellence.com, all the theories online, so you can uh, learn it from anywhere on the planet. Uh, the uh, I am going to break up if you just want to learn the essentials module or you, whether you just want to learn the advanced stuff or whether you want to uh, learn the mastery when what once it's finished recording. So originally, as I said, the, the modules were, were only available as, as a single, whereas now they are available as uh, individual modules and you can pay for them up to uh, over a 12-month period as well, making them very, very cost-effective. Uh, I also run a two-day seminar on uh, uh, integration and full arch mastery. Uh, the next dates are on the website and for those of you who are petrified about surgery but would love to get into implants I run day, uh, I run, I'm also running a one day surgical boot camp as well again the information is on academyofimplantexcellence.com so Chet thank you very much this has been absolutely fascinating and uh, I'm actually um, going to see Chet in a few weeks time uh, listen to more of what he has to say and I'm sure that I'm going to have a really really robust set of notes on that as well a lot of lots of actionable points Jen, thank you so much for joining us today no worries mate take care thank you thank you <laughs>